You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 196. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, a fiduciary, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and today's episode is how recency bias can destroy your retirement. Now, I fully realize that I've done an episode before on recency bias, but when you're number one and episode number 96 and number two, we are in basically a bear market, at least as of trading right now, which is May 20th. You won't listen to this podcast for a week though, but we just hit bear market territory, a 20% drop from its high on the S&P 500. It may not stick. We may not officially land there by the end of the day, but it has a lot of people concerned. And before we get to the topic of the day, just wanted to remind you that I am a Milwaukee Bucks fan. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means we just got kicked out of the playoffs by the Boston Celtics. But here's what I learned, and I used this example before, but this series between the Bucks and the Celtics in the playoffs, it's a best of seven. And first the Bucks were up one, then the Celtics, then the Bucks, then the Celtics, then the Bucks, and finally the Celtics, the last two. But they were trading off wins for the first five games. And so after the Bucks would win, I'd drive to work, I'd turn on talk radio, and everybody would talk about, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people would talk about how great the Bucks are, and there's no way they're going to lose in this series because we just won this game. We just won the game the night before. And then the next night they play and they lose. And then the next morning I turn on the radio and what do I hear? Lots of people or the majority of the people saying, there's no way we can win this series. The Boston Celtics are so much better than we are and we don't have a prayer. And then the next night, the Bucks play, and so on, and so on. It drives me absolutely crazy. Are any of you out there sports fans? Do you recognize when your team wins or loses and how the radio responds to that win or loss? And oftentimes, it's an overdramatic response to what just happened. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. How recency bias can destroy your retirement. 
So we're going to talk about recency bias today. For those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, and for those of you that need a refresher, so we're going to talk about what is recency bias, why does recency bias matter, and what can we do about recency bias so it doesn't ruin our retirement. So first, what is recency bias? Well, Recency bias is the tendency to place too much emphasis on experiences that are freshest in our memory, even if they are not the most relevant or reliable. Let me give you an example. Anybody on this podcast ever watch the movie Jaws? I did. I watched it when it first came out, I believe, in the 70s. And more recently, I believe they had an updated version. But when I watched Jaws, I was afraid of the ocean. And I want to throw the question at you if you've watched Jaws, or let's say you watched Jaws last night. Well, today, if you just watched it last night, would you want to go for a long ocean swim After just watching Jaws? For me, the answer was no. However, I was on spring break a couple of months ago. I swam in the ocean every day when I was in Florida. Why? Because Jaws wasn't on the front of my mind. I hadn't watched that movie in years. But if I had just watched Jaws, The night before, chances are I, and chances are you, if that movie freaked you out too, wouldn't go in the ocean either, even though the actual risk of being attacked by a shark is so tiny. It's so small. Let's move to the investing world. In the investing world, recency bias can be hard to avoid. My clients and myself to some degree, and probably you, display recency bias when we make decisions based on recent events, expecting that those recent events will continue into the future. It can lead all of us to make irrational decisions. What kind of irrational decisions do we make in the investment market? Well, we might want to follow a hot investment trend, or we might want to sell all of our stocks in a down market because we are scared. Because recently in the news, we've seen that the stock market has gone down. Schwab sponsored a huge study conducted by the BEFI was the BEFI Barometer 2021 study. And the study found that recency bias is the most common behavior that advisors such as myself believe is affecting clients' decisions. So I want to ask you, has recency bias affected your investment decisions, either recently because of the recent downturn in the market or in the past. It ranks, you know, there's a whole bunch of biases out there. Recency bias is only one, but recency bias ranks as the number one bias for every single generation. But for millennials in the silent generation, it's by far number one. So who has recency bias? 
Millennials, 78% of them suffer from it. The silent generation, 75%. Generation X, 74%. And baby boomers, 56%. And why does all of this matter? Why does recency bias matter? Well, let me give you two examples of why it is such a big problem. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to February and March of 2020. Do you remember what you were doing? I know what I was doing. I was finally starting to make some money in my life, and I was just starting to max out my 401k. And in February and March of 2020, I wondered why. Because the S&P 500 in less than two-month time frame went down 19.9%. Does that sound familiar to today? And it found some sort of a bottom during that little cycle. And then what happened? Because the market bottomed out so far, it triggered inflows, new money into the stock market of over $1 trillion. And what happens? In 2020, when people start thinking the bottom is there and start investing more money, I don't know about you, but I've had money on the sidelines that I've invested in the last couple of weeks because I know that now is a great time to invest when most people are fearful, when the stock market is down, when the stock market is quote unquote on sale. So in April and May of 2000, the S&P 500 shot up almost 18% during a very, very short period of time. That's why it matters. Think of you for a second. If in March of 2020, you're like, I cannot take it anymore. The stock market keeps going down. And when you sell, you realize those losses. You got a million dollars. Now you have 800,000. And now you're sitting on the sidelines and your money is not making squat and you're watching the S&P 500 climb almost back up to where it was. And now you feel burned by the stock market. I don't want that to happen to you, family steward. Recency bias can lead clients, my clients can lead you, can lead me to deviate from our carefully laid out investment plans which can have damaging effects to long-term consequences, to our long-term retirement plan. And even if we're in retirement right now and we expect to live another 15, 20, 30 years, we have a long-term horizon. And if we pull our money out now, it could have damaging long-term consequences. Consider the cost of not even taking your money out of the market, but chasing hot investment trends. In 2019, the financial services sector was one of the best performing sectors in the S&P 500, delivering an annual return of 32%. A lot of people who looked at sectors say, oh my gosh, financial services, 32%. I need to take a bunch of money and take it out of these other sectors and put it in the financial services because that's what's doing the best. But anyone who subsequently loaded up on financial services stocks may have been disappointed that the sector returned negative 2% in 2020 when the S&P 500 delivered 18%. Burned. Once again, family steward, burned. 
Do not time the market. Do not time sectors. Do not time which country is going to do the best. Because the takeaway is short-term market moves caused by recency bias can take away long-term results, making it more difficult for you to reach your financial goals. We want you to have the greatest chance for success, and that requires discipline. So what can you do about it? How can we combat recency bias? Well, for me, since I study it a lot, I realize that it exists. I realize when I'm part of it and I find a way to snap out of it simply because I'm educated in recency bias. It's tough. It's all about head games. So for me, I help my clients take a broader view of how the markets tend to move over time in the larger trends that may have the biggest impact on investment returns. Zooming out from what's happening right now and looking and taking a long-term focus is always in our best interest. We're always going to have short-term big upticks or big downticks in the market. The market averages a correction at least once a year, a 10% drop from its high. A bear market happens a couple times a decade, which we're experiencing right now. Incidentally, we had one in 2020, which lasted about as long as it takes for you to take a shower in the morning. And for my daughter, that's a long time. But for most people, we were out of it very, very quickly. But taking a long-term approach, zooming out, knowing that the market on average has returned nicely, average rates of returns in the long term. The other thing that we do for our clients is during the rebalancing process or what we call our strategic rebalancing process, we illustrate to our clients which investments have fared well or poorly. And we use that information to initiate a larger discussion on how markets tend to move over time. And we use the strategic rebalancing process to invest in those asset classes that are doing the worst, that tend to snap back the most. We had great success with this during 2020 with our small value fund and with our real estate fund. We also want to continuously educate our clients the impulses to make decisions influenced by recent events. And for us and for me, I like that education to happen during the good times too and remind people that things like bear markets and corrections are coming. We don't know when, we just know that they'll happen. Those are normal market cycles. So I tell my clients to limit their daily news intake. Maybe have a mutually agreed waiting period before making any investment decisions. Or another strategy we like to use is discuss portfolio performance in terms of progress towards client goals rather than focusing on individual return figures. So for you listening to this podcast, I want you to realize that recency bias exists and we can avoid the effects though of recency bias, which will help us or I rather, I should say, keep us from making irrational investment decisions so we can manage our expectations during the next period 
of market volatility. Because just like I already said, once we're done with this volatility, we're going to be going on to our next phase of volatility. It is normal. It is natural. It's why we get the best average rate of return in the stock market because we have to put up with the ugly times. For most investors, when markets are doing well, we figure, well, we deserve this. Our money's in the market. We deserve 30% returns on some years. But when the market's down, all of a sudden the tables have flipped. And why is the market doing this? We think the market's going to go up forever and it doesn't. The market averages one down year every four years. Think about that. On average, one out of every four years are negative. You need to expect that. You need to expect negative years to happen. But at the same time, do all downturns lead to down years? And the answer is no. I mean, think about it. In 2020, the market was down 35% and we ended up with positive results at the end of the year. Last year, the market was up 26%, but there was a time when the market was down 5%. You remember 2018? We ended up with negative returns down 5%, but at one point, the market was down 20%. Every year has volatility. Are we headed for a positive year? I had to guess. I'd say no, but I said that in 2020 as well. And when I look from years 2009 all the way until 2017, when there had been at least about even years, a couple of them, but large return years, I see big downturns during great years. In 2009, we had a downturn of 27%, but the market ended up positive 28% for the year. 2010, at one point we were down 16% from our high. We ended up positive 17% for the year. In 2011, we were down 20% at one point and we ended up eking out positive returns. In 2008, that was a down year, wasn't it? That was the great recession. We ended up down 37%, but guess what? At one point we were down 49%. Do downturns lead to down years? Not always, but on a lot of occasions, downturns don't persist through the entire year, and the year is not even half over. Okay, so what are our takeaways that we can use from today's episode? Well, number one, with recency bias... Remember, people tend to put too much emphasis on recent events, whether it's sporting events or investments. Number two, this recency bias may lead you to think that a current stock market downturn or rally will extend into the future. And we just don't know. There are people out there that say we've reached the bottom today. There's people out there that say we haven't even come close. And here's the deal. They're all making their opinion. They have no idea. Nobody has the crystal ball. And also recency bias can lead you to make short-term decisions that can deviate from your financial plan. So how do we make sure we don't do these things? And the first thing that a family steward should always have is 
an investment policy statement. When we have an investment policy statement, we can now look at that investment policy statement and feel good about when we made it. We feel good that when we made it, we wanted this allocation. We feel good and knew at that point in time that there were going to be downturns, that we should expect those downturns. And when they happen, that they're not a surprise to us because it's all part of our long-term plan so that we as family stewards can give our family the best chance for success. So for us as family stewards, I think we all need to make commitments to watch the news less, to look at our statements less, to stop looking at the S&P 500 every 10 minutes because it makes us potentially become victim of recency bias. And at that point in time, who knows what we're going to do. That's all the time I have for today. I hope everyone has an awesome week and I will see you when I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye everyone. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial tax investment or legal advice.